This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 43, Mike Freitag. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Tina Sire, Chief Impact Officer of Positive Coaching Alliance, steps in for Jim and talks with Executive Director of Coaching for Colorado Youth Soccer, Mike Freitag. I've had so much fun and joy playing this game that that's what I want to share with the the players I work with today so it's even better for them. Mike shares his experiences as an assistant and head coach, along with his personal experiences playing soccer. He also provides advice to parents and encourages them to be supportive from the sidelines. Mike, I want to start off by introducing you to our responsible sports audience. Mike Freitag went to Christian Brothers College High School in St. Louis, Missouri. He went on to attend Indiana University, where he played soccer and was named a first-team All-American in 1979. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in physical education and earned a master's degree in sports administration from Indiana in 1986. Mike went on to play professionally for the San Diego Soccers of the North American Soccer League and the Denver Avalanche of the Major Indoor Soccer League. He then began coaching at IU as an assistant, where he was part of three national championship teams. In 2004, he took over as head coach and became one of only three coaches in NCAA history to lead his team to a national title in his first season as head coach. Mike also spent time as the assistant coach of the U-17 national team and currently holds the post of executive director of coaching for Colorado Youth Soccer. In 2009, Mike was honored with induction into the Colorado Youth Soccer Hall of Fame. Mike holds a U.S. Soccer Federation A coaching license and a Scottish Football Association B coaching license. Last but not least, Mike and his wife Renee and their children Heather and Hannah reside in Castle Rock, Colorado. Mike, thanks for joining the Responsible Sports audience and me today. Well, good morning or good afternoon, whenever it is, and I, I appreciate those. Uh, I didn't realize I did all that stuff. Yeah, it's an, it's an impressive resume, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I enjoy being with you, and hopefully you uh, look forward to the, the time we spend together here. So, Mike, I know you were a longtime assistant coach at Indiana University um, before you became the head coach in 2004. And I'm curious, you know, based on that experience, can you give our responsible coach listeners some ideas about how to best work with assistant coaches when you're in that role of head coach? How do you really involve your assistants and make them a powerful part of the coaching team? Well, I, I think it's uh, – I can probably give advice on both. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm prob- probably uh, – as a head coach, you gotta, you know, you gotta encourage input from your assistant coaches. Too many coaches, head coaches, sometimes want yes men uh, as assistants, or, or they're not secure enough to have people that have other opinions. And I think assistants are so important um, to the success of a team. Uh, a lot of times, players don't go to a head coach; uh, they go to the assistants. And you want the assistant coaches that are that are good in that role. Um, but like I said, you want assistants that give you input because 
hey, head coaches aren't always right, and input from the assistants is very valuable. Uh, you don't want yes men. You want, but you also don't want the assistants that are that question everything. Also, you know the uh, uh, one that's always questioning everything. The devil's advocate. Right. Uh, but you want coaches to give coaches that give a good uh, give their opinions. Yep, yep. And were there certain things that sort of where you divided, you know, when you were at IU, where you sort of divided up the responsibilities of this is something that's definitely sort of the head coach's job? It was, it was, uh, we, we shared in everything. Uh, when we did recruiting, we, you know, there was more than one eye that saw, that saw the recruit. We wanted opinions. Um, when we dealt with the team, a lot of times you have players, coach, assistant coaches that are good in a certain area, say, defenders so maybe they work with defenders more or another one works with the forwards but all in all we would we would get together as a group and discuss what our needs are for practices uh, what our needs are changes in the team and and did it as a group so i know that in 2002 uh, college soccer news recognized you as one of the nation's top assistant coaches and i'm curious when you put on your assistant coach hat um, what do you think made you such an effective assistant coach uh, assistant coaches, it's it's, and I think I was a a very good assistant. Uh, not not to pat myself on the back, but I thought it was good in the sense that one thing I learned is you can't force things down, you know, ideas down a, a, the head coach. Mm-hmm. What you have to do is kind of feed them ideas till it becomes their idea, and then that's good. Um, but you know, don't be not being the devil's advocate and forcing things and being headstrong, but, you know, passing on your ideas to the point where I know in several cases, the ideas I had became the head coach's ideas and that's okay. I don't need credit for that. Uh, but I'm glad it got done and, and I thought it helped the team. Fantastic. Now, I know um, besides all of your coaching, you've also played soccer from, you know, the youth level all the way through the pros. And I'm curious if there are certain coaches um, that really stand out in your memory and what it is about them that that stands out. I've been very fortunate uh, to have outstanding coaches. It probably starts back when when I was in grade school. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and you played pretty much for your your parish, uh, predominantly Catholic community. And so you played, I played for St. Joan of Arc. And I had a gentleman named Art Bowles. Um, Art uh, was a policeman in St. Louis. And what we would do is in St. Louis in those days is you'd come home from school, you know, put your books away, change clothes, grab your ball, jump on your bike, and drive down to the local park. And old Art was there ready to coach us every day. And it's pretty much with my you know, schoolmates, uh, and we didn't really have a situation where you had to try out and you just went and played with all your, your schoolmates from your from your parish. And Mr. Bowles was, yeah, I mean, I remember him he just and the thing about it, we trained every day. We pretty much practiced every day and we didn't get sick of it. We enjoyed it. And I remember him saying give me a, a statement one time that I kinda lived by. He said Put back into the game what you get out of it. I've had so much fun and joy playing this game that that's what I want to share with the the players I work with today so it's even better for them. That's a a beautiful statement that he left with you from all those years ago. I'm I'm curious, comparing that experience you had playing for your parish. To go on even more, Uh I mean, I mentioned art. Yeah. uh, But then you mentioned Christian Brothers College where I went to 
mm-hmm. the high school. Terry Mickler is the coach there. He's the all-time winningest coach in high school history in the U.S. Mm. In fact, he just won another state title in Missouri. And he's another one who, you know, gave me, you know, inspiration and, and knowledge of the game. It helped me. And then last, but two other people, uh, Jerry Yeagley at Indiana, my college coach, did an outstanding job, um, was a lot, was a mentor for, to me. And then I also had the great experience with the under-17 national coach and the, the late uh, Roy Reese, who was one of the best coaches the U.S. has ever had. Um, I had the privilege of working with him with the under-17, and he taught me so much about the game. Were you, you were coaching with him at the time? Yes, as the assistant with the under-17. Wonderful. Um, thinking back to Terry in particular, you said the most winningest or the, you know, of all high school coaches in the country. What is it about him that you think makes him so successful actually, you know, on the scoreboard? Well, I, I think first of all, he's a student of the game. Uh, as a coach, he has, um, studied, especially the, the Dutch method of coaching. And he, he's just a student of the game. And with that, he just, he cares about the game being played the correct way, and he cares about his players. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, his teams are always very, very skillful because that's one of the things he um, emphasizes. But uh, and Terry is just one of those guys. He's just a, a soccer junkie through and through. <laughs> and he just uh, he cares about player, the game. He cares about the game, and he cares about his players. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, one of the things we talk to responsible coaches about is sort of teaching life lessons that go beyond the game? In- All these coaches have uh, have taught me life lessons. Um, you know that that is the thing about sports, and I think people <laughs> forget we're no not many players are going to play pro. Not many players are going to play in the World Cup, um, but it, it's it prepares you for life. You know, I think we all can agree you, you got to deal with failure you got to deal with success you got to deal with teamwork you got to deal um you know with adversity these are all you know sports offers and uh you know uh, an opportunity to practice these things before before they become real life um and you become an adult so that's that's one of the things i think all these all these coaches um help me with as I, you know, prepared to become an adult. So I know now you're in the role of executive director of coaching for Colorado Youth Soccer, and I'm curious what you do to help your coaches um, see this, that, you know, the game is much bigger than just teaching soccer skills and strategy, and are there certain things you do to sort of prepare them to help get across these life lessons about how to deal with failure and success and adversity and teamwork? Well, I, I think it's something I, I stress in every one of my coaching courses. You know, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I think sometimes we get uh, things out out of out of perspective, and it's you know people worry about winning and and so forth. And you know, to me, we teach the game um, the right way, how to play, and you try to play to your potential uh, individually and collectively, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but at the same time, you're teaching lessons and teaching people how to deal with success or failure or how to deal with other teammates. And these are, again, I try to stress that at every opportunity I can in our coaching courses. 
So, so when you talk about how um, people worry about winning, I'm, I'm curious when you think back to your time, you know, playing in, at the parish uh, with art growing up and where we are today, um, where you believe there's sort of a win at all cost mentality that we're facing that maybe wasn't there back when you played. And, and I'm curious in the bigger picture, if you do think so, how that's impacted the game. Well, I, I I think it you know I think there's good and bad about uh, you know when we talk about emphasis on winning. I, everybody wants to win. Mm-hmm. As coaches, we want to do everything we can to have success with the final score. But again, as I as I mentioned earlier, I think our goal is really not to worry about the end result, but to get your team to play to their potential. Mm-hmm in each individual who played to the potential. Because if you do that and you walk off the field and you lost, hey, it's just a better team. Mm-hmm. And uh, that happens at times. Mm-hmm. But if you can – but, you know, you have to have that chance to have a win, you have to get your team to play to their potential. And mm-hmm. that's what I think coaches have to <laughs> emphasize and worry about and not worry about the results. But, uh, you know, this is my second stint as director of coaching. I was here, you know, before 17 years ago. And, you know, I I see a difference. Mm. Uh, You know, it used to be, I don't know if we're putting too much emphasis on the winning and too much pressure on the players. Um, But it's become a a business, unfortunately, almost not, not, not to say that's bad, Mm-hmm. We want things organized, but I think with the business to be a top to look to be looked at as a top business, your teams have to win. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that uh, winning gets in the way of player development. Yeah, and uh, you know, it goes hand in hand. But I also know with the development uh, of things being more organized and bigger clubs and so forth, I know the coaching's also gotten better. Mm-hmm. So it, it, they go hand in hand, and we just have to deal with it. And, again, coaches just have to realize that uh, the win isn't the most important thing. We've got to develop players. And if we present the game in a proper way, players will have fun and continue to play. Um, that's one of the things we're worried about in the game today is kids quitting playing after a certain age. Mm-hmm. And it should never happen because this is too great of a game and too much fun to play. Why do you think kids are quitting? Oh, I think in the, you know, if compared to the rest of the world, the US, we have a lot of different options. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different options. And I think part of the thing, the emphasis with winning, or, you know, hey, you, you want to become a pro. Once a kid finally realizes that maybe, hey, those goals are not going to happen for me, because mm-hmm. we put so much emphasis on that kind of, Mm-hmm. I think sometimes children's bubbles burst. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm never going to be a pro player. I can't even make my high school team. Mm-hmm. And that should never, you know, kids shouldn't quit because of that. But that emphasis, that pressure, oh, you got to, you know, we got to make the top team. You got to worry about college scholarship. Mm-hmm. And when they find out they're not going to achieve that, like I said, their bubbles burst. And maybe they say they find something else that they're good at. Um and that's a shame because players should play this game because they love this game. And those are the things like Art Bulls instilled in me, a love for the game, a passion for the game. Mm-hmm. And that's why uh, I get excited every time I go on the field. 
as a coach. That's great. Um, so, so I wanted to reflect a little bit on your time spent um, coaching our under-17 national team. And I'm curious if you're sort of, you feel like your job or your style as a coach changes when you're working with that elite level um, group versus sort of a typical high school team. Um, do you bring sort of a different coaching style or approach with that, that kind of group versus a, sort of more of a high school um, talent level? Well, I think when you get to that level, the players, uh, there's a lot of things they've already learned. They're good at. You're dealing with the elite players in their age group. A lot of the emphasis um, in the coaching is more on tactical, just putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, I think, at, you know, most of us have to deal with creating the pieces of the puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they... Uh, Players on the high school level, a lot of them are still developing players, mm-hmm. and they have to develop the skill, uh, the print, learn, understand the principles of play, and uh, and when you get to the national team level, it's more organizing, putting these pieces together uh, to create a great pitcher. Yep, yep. So, Mike, I know you have two daughters, and I'm, I'm curious, when you think about yourself as a responsible sports parent, um, are there certain things that you feel like parents can do to best support their kids in sports? You know, I always tell the story. Several years ago, uh, when I was home visiting my parents in St. Louis, I was with my dad, and we were driving past the park, and... Uh, some kids were out there playing, and all of a sudden he makes a comment. He goes, those were the best days of my life. Mm. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, when you used to play, you used to go out and watch you play. He goes, those were the best days of my life. And it kind of choked me up, you know. And I just remember my dad. It was, uh, he would, um, you know, if I had a, a good game, he'd say good game. But if I had a bad game, he didn't say anything because he knew Mm. He didn't have to. I, I knew I had a bad game. Yep. He didn't really have to rehash it in the car on the right way home. Yeah. Uh, he was. It was just always there for me, you know, to mm-hmm. support me and to help me because uh, they knew it was a, a passion of mine that I loved playing. So they were there to do anything they could to help me play. Mm. And uh, those parents just have to, you know, it's it's your it's your son or daughter playing, not you. So. Mm. You want to give them the best chance to have success, but don't go overboard and uh, push them too much. Because really, the, it has to come from within them. Their passion has to be within them to play this game uh, and not be forced to play the game. Yeah, yeah. That's really, that's a beautiful story. Did you grow up playing multiple different sports or was soccer sort of your passion? Yeah, throughout? you know, I played baseball and a little bit of basketball, but all of a sudden when I got to about seventh grade, mm-hmm. it kind of, I knew this was a sport I loved mm-hmm. and and I wanted to play it more. And so I started playing year round. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, even even though I enjoyed playing the other sports, they didn't catch uh, grab my attention like soccer did. Yep, yep. I want to ask you just a few more questions about parents. Um, I think a lot of parents have had the experience where they're standing on the sideline and um, a parent next to them, maybe even a parent on the same team, is yelling at the referees um, or maybe even ends up like yelling at the other team um, or, you know, sort of yelling at their own players for mistakes. Um, what advice can you give parents when they find themselves in that situation where maybe they themselves are 
doing the right thing and keeping their mouth closed, but the parents around them are starting to get on the ref or, or the players? you got to act your age. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not easy. Uh, and, I, you know, I, my daughter played tennis, and that, that, was, that was very difficult for me because tennis is supposedly a sport where you, you don't say anything on the sideline, you don't cheer, you know. And I'm watching, especially when you're just one individual, you're, you want to give her advice, you want to help her, or, you know. It was difficult. I, I, I know how difficult it was because I've had to bite my tongue and my wife is <laughs> elbowing me to shut up, you know. And uh, So, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do because it's your, your own flesh and blood. And, uh, you know, so you just have to step back at times and just say, what is this all about? It's a game, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a game that they're... You know, hopefully your kids are having fun and don't, you know, if somebody else is two rights, don't, two wrongs don't make a right. So if that mm-hmm. parent is having a problem and an issue with referees and yelling and screaming, you joining in doesn't help, mm-hmm. you know. In fact, you have to be a bigger person and show the, the right example for, for the parents on the sidelines. And, you know, at times if it's another parent on your own team, maybe you need to have a talk with that parent. Mm-hmm. And say, hey, you're not doing our team any good, mm-hmm. or your son or daughter any good, mm-hmm. by your by your actions. Mm-hmm. So I know you know someone sort of in your position where you're in a real leadership role with your club and have so much experience with playing and coaching. That may seem like something that you have sort of the confidence and the stature to do. Um, sometimes when I'm out talking to to parents, um, they'll say, "Gosh, I just I'm not confident enough to stand up to that parent, or I'm afraid to do that." Um, what advice would you give that parent who maybe feels intimidated or or afraid to do anything? Well, I, I think you know I think part of the responsibility falls on clubs. Mm-hmm. Clubs again have become so significant these days. I think clubs need to have parent education, need to, uh, I think one of the most important gatherings of a, of a team during the year is a parent meeting at the beginning of the year, because I think you can set the tone uh, for, for, for correct behavior right there in that meeting. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, if a parent, a parent, you know, has a problem with another one's actions, and they don't feel comfortable. You know, maybe it's not maybe it's not the best thing for them to uh, address the parent individually, but maybe go to the club mm-hmm. and see if somehow they can intervene and have a talk with that parent about their actions. Great, that's 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 really helpful. I think I want to just underscore that that parent meeting. Um, so few coaches actually do that. They sort of just jump in, and the first time they end up talking to a parent is when there's a problem, and the parents don't know each other that well. And I just think the parent meeting can lay such an important and strong foundation. Um, that's really good advice. Um, one other question about parents: I think at the youngest ages, um, at least when the players sort of are old enough and understand the game enough to know when they've actually made a mistake on the pitch, um, they'll often sneak a peek at their parents right after they make a mistake and sort of see what, you know, what's mom doing, what's dad doing. Um, and I'm curious, what advice can you give parents in those moments where, you know, your kid has a, an open shot on goal and, and kicks it over the crossbar or, you know, misses that, that save? Um, what do you do when your kid sort of looks over at you in those moments? I think you can't get, parents can't get too high or too low, you know, mm-hmm. or, or show too much emotion or not enough. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to be even keeled. You mm-hmm. know, if a, a player misses misses a shot on goal, your son or daughter, hey, you, you, know, you should be encouraging. Hey, let's get the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if they score a goal, don't don't go crazy on the sidelines <laughs> and embarrass your kids by doing cartwheels or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I think you just have to kind of keep even keeled uh, throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, let the emotions be with the players more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Several years ago, um, <laughs> when I was the first again director of coaching, first time around here in Colorado, mm-hmm. I went out one weekend and I listened to games. I went to the under six games and I listened. The parents were great. Go Johnny, go Susie. Mm-hmm. You know that way, that way, and and everything was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. As we got to a little bit older, now the parents have been around and they're experts now. Now they're starting to tell the kids what to do. Pass it to your right. Mm. You know, a referee, you missed that call. Mm. And then you get a little bit older and now the, re- the parents are really experts mm-hmm. and, you know, yelling at referees and, you know, yelling at their son or daughter. And, and that was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, when you got a little bit older and the kids were old enough to drive, it was quiet again because the parents didn't even show up. The kids would just oh. go on their own. Mm. Uh, so mm. <laughs> as a parent, again, I think it all comes down, you have to be level-headed mm-hmm. and, and understand that the game is for them. It's mm-hmm. for the players. And as a parent, you want to make it the best you can for your son or daughter. Great, great. Um, I'm I'm curious during your many years of coaching, um, and this this may be you know from youth all the way up through sort of the U17 national team or your college champions. Um, are there one or two players that really stand out to you that you just you really enjoyed coaching, and what was it about that player or those players that made it so enjoyable? Yeah, I, I think back and. Uh... You know, there was players, uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Danny O'Rourke, who plays for the Columbus crew, was a mm-hmm. player that played in Indiana for us. Mm-hmm. And here's a young man who I wish more players would be like because Danny didn't care about being the best mm-hmm. or doing his best. Mm-hmm. And I think too many players today are almost afraid to be their best mm-hmm. because they, you know, if you're your best, maybe... Uh, people look at you as a show-off or, mm-hmm. you know, big wig or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think you have to I, – I enjoy players who aren't afraid of doing their best. Mm-hmm. And Danny was one, and it's an example. He helped us win national championships. He went on, and he's still, still playing pro mm-hmm. uh, with the Columbus crew. And that type of player not just makes your team – your your team better, but makes individuals that he's played with better mm. uh, because he shows an example for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then I had other players that, you know, uh, example is a kid named Lee Hagedorn. Uh, these kids came in to Indiana University. They weren't stars. Mm. You know, they were good players, but they, they uh, came in and they were like sponges. Yeah. They just learned every day. They got better, and mm-hmm. they kept on striving to be better. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though at times they were sitting on the bench, mm. they had a strong will and kept things in perspective and uh, realized it's not where I'm at right now. It's where I'm at in the end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these kind of kids are, are special. Yeah. Um, 
also you just see the kids that are, you know, uh, I'll give an example. When I was going for my A license years ago uh, out in San Jose, mm-hmm. California, there was a kid, a young kid by the name that was always there. His dad was taking the A license too, lived in the, lived in the area, and the kid was always with a ball. Mm-hmm. Always. So in between sessions of the A license, I would go spend time with him. He was about 10 years old at the time. Well, that young man ended up playing on the under-17 national team when, when I was coaching, uh, which was like six years later. And then he's now he's the, uh, I think he's the under-17 U.S. women's national team coach, Alberto oh, really? Montoya. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was just exciting for me to see this kid at 10 years old and say, hey, mm-hmm. he's pretty special. Mm-hmm. And the reason he was special, because he was always with a ball, mm-hmm. uh, to help him as a player at the U-17 level, and then to see him now as coaching our national team. It's exciting to see those players mm-hmm. uh, have success like that. Well, Mike, I just I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me today and also just your many years um, of coaching uh, players of all levels and just the many um, gifts you've given them that I'm sure they carry into their lives now as as parents and coaches. And, um, you know, just all these insights you shared with our responsible sports listeners are wonderful. And um, I know a number of parents and coaches are going to benefit. So thank you so much. Well, I, I, I appreciate all you do. Uh, I've learned, uh, I, you know, like, as I got ready for this interview, I had read, not I read, I had listened to uh, the podcast with Ziggy Schmidt some time ago, mm-hmm. and Ziggy's one I admire. And you know, I we all we're always learning. We're mm-hmm. always learning to become better uh, people, better parents, better coaches. And I uh, appreciate the 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 service you people are doing. To learn more about responsible sports including downloading valuable tools on a mastery approach to youth sports that includes creating a commitment to learning, visit ResponsibleSports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.